Thanks, Jared. It's been fun to, one thing I've really appreciated this week is worshiping together with you. Uh, I appreciate those who have served through special music and uh, leading us in worship that way. Uh, thankful to Andy and Amy Toner. Uh, this week they've done a great job, haven't they? Uh, if, you, if you haven't made the connections yet, uh, Andy actually leads worship at the church that I pastor uh, up in Minnesota, and so it's been fun for us to be able to tag team uh, here at camp this week, and uh, we just really, really appreciate Andy and Amy and their family uh, at our church at Ambassador. I also really would echo the words that uh, Patrick Odell shared last night and just the appreciation. I appreciate you guys and appreciate how well you've listened, how much you've participated. Uh, I had, I was kind of stressed out, honestly, uh, when it came to teaching this week because I'm used to doing more expositional type sermons. That's what I do every single week, verse by verse. And uh, when Jared asked me to come in and teach this week, uh, I initially said, uh, well, actually, my wife convinced me to do it, is the real truth. Um, but at, at first, I was like, yeah, <laughs> clap for my wife. Wives often know God's will before the husbands. Uh, but at first, I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be easy. I'll just recycle some old sermons. And then uh, I talked to Jared a couple weeks after saying yes and just kind of getting a feel for the week and what we wanted to do and what we wanted to, to accomplish. And uh, we kind of both decided we knew Patrick Odo would be bringing it in the evenings. Um, and so we wanted to give you guys a chance to just interact a little bit more and to uh, just do something maybe just hopefully something that's been super practical and something that's really implementable for you in your daily lives. And so uh, I just want to share with you guys a little bit this idea of prayers. I am, I have so far to go uh, when I consider my prayer life and, and how I've grown in it throughout the years. And so I, I'm sharing from a place of this is just actually something that God has been challenging me with in my life, in my family, in my ministry over the last couple of years. And so I'm really just, I'm sharing from, from a place of, I wanna grow with you. Uh, and so a lot of what we're gonna do this morning as we wrap up is hopefully learn from each other a little bit more. I'm gonna give you guys an opportunity to share maybe, maybe what have been some of the things in your life that, that you have found helpful in order to spur you on to more and better prayer. Because the reality is, your schedule is not the same as my schedule, and everybody's lives look so differently. And so there may be some, some habits that I have in my life that I might share this morning that just aren't going to work for you. Just from a realistic, logical perspective, you won't be able to do those things. And so I, I hope this morning that we can just learn from each other, grow from each other, and uh, hopefully glorify God more as we leave a lot of, basically this morning is just, uh, what are you going to do when you leave tomorrow? It's already Thursday. Camp always goes so fast. And so we, we've talked a lot about different aspects of prayer. 
Sunday, we talked about how prayer is an expression of our dependence upon God, an opportunity to align our hearts with his. Monday, we talked about why pray. So what, what should be the greatest motivator for us to pray? What should be the biggest thing that impacts how we think about prayer and how we interact with prayer, that being the truth of the gospel? Tuesday, we talked about maximizing prayer instead of minimizing prayer to just simply asking for things. There's a lot more to prayer than just that. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about why God doesn't answer prayers. I encourage you to just embrace the mystery and trust in God's sovereignty in the midst of that. So I just want to ask, basically this morning, what are you going to do, if anything, what are you going to do differently as a result of contemplating prayer this week? As a result of hopefully praying a little bit more this week than you normally would. Just because you're at camp and you have the opportunity. What are some ways that we can bring those habits and routines into our daily living? So the first thing that I want to uh, just encourage you with is to pray. Simply pray to your God. We're talking about just individual prayer, first of all. It's, and, and this is, I mean, just the, the Nike slogan, just do it. Or some of you might know the, the Shia LaBeouf meme, just do it. Okay, apparently not. <laughs> you can go Google that afterwards. But just do it. There's... Once again, we, we talked about so many of the excuses that we bring to us not wanting to pray and, oh, my prayers aren't good enough, all this and all that, and just do it. You know, one thing that I appreciate from my kids is our kids are seven and under, and so they're not very good at drawing pictures. They're terrible at coloring in the lines. But what they do often is they'll bring us a picture that says, it's a picture of mom and dad in the most mangled, disfigured stick people. You can imagine there's a heart around it. And it's, it's pretty ugly art. But as a parent, when you receive that communication from a child... You love it. You appreciate it. And so you wait until they walk out of the room before you throw it in the trash. <laughs> oh, you do it too. You can't, you can't keep all of the pictures. Okay, hang it up on the fridge for a day, then throw it in the trash. Is that the right sequence? God, God is not concerned that when you pray, everything's perfectly in place and right in the lines. He wants you to communicate with him. Give him your picture. Pray. When you think about individual prayer, I encourage you this morning to make prayer a priority in your life. We saw that Jesus prayed regularly. Another example of making prayer a priority, I think of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6, after the, the new law is passed down, and of course these, these guys are trying to get Daniel and basically get him out of uh, 
power or authority or any type of impact in the land. And what does he do in Daniel chapter 6? When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows and his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God. And that's, that's great and all. And sometimes we, we kind of view Daniel as like, I'm not going to bow to the law of the land. I'm going I'm to, in fact, I'm going to go do the opposite of what they're trying to suppress. But this wasn't Daniel trying to just fight back against opposition. This was his regular routine. The very next phrase says, as he had done previously. Prayer had always been a priority for him. And we should be striving to do the same. Now, Daniel prayed three times a day. That's not the magic number. But how could you prioritize prayer just a little bit more in your daily routine? Maybe it means redeeming your drive to and from work. Maybe it's over your lunch break. Maybe, maybe it's, it's praying before and or after your daily Bible time. Make prayer a priority. Secondly, as you think about individual prayer, allow prayer to permeate everything in your life. So in other words, don't just limit prayer to five minutes before you do your Bible reading in the morning. Pray throughout the day. Pray without ceasing. This idea of praying constantly. That doesn't mean we're never thinking about anything else, never accomplishing tasks throughout the day. It just means that we're, we're going to God over and over and over as our day goes along. Pray about anything and everything. Nothing's too big or too small. And then find creative ways to connect with God and intercede for others. Uh, one thing that I've started doing lately, and this was actually because of encouragement from somebody in our church uh, and something that she does to just pray more throughout the day is she does prayers of connotation. And basically what that means is a lot of us have gifts or different things that remind us of other people. For example, in, in our family, we were gifted an espresso machine from somebody in, in our church family. And praise God, we love coffee. We need that caffeine. But... Uh, that particular family has actually been, they've just had a rough go of different, different things happening within their family. Um, yeah, I'm not going to take the time to go into all of that, but they need prayer. And so almost every morning, during the summer at least, when I drink espresso instead of a big cup of coffee because it's too hot, I pray for them when I'm making that little cup of espresso. Prayers of connotation is a great way to just pray throughout your day. Maybe set alarms or reminders. Uh, my wife's phone went off when we were singing this morning at 9.38. Uh, she's started implementing. Uh, Patrick Odell and BMM do uh, Matthew 9.38. Uh, so every day at 9.38, they're praying that God would send laborers into the harvest field and that's, that's a great reminder. Set, set a couple alarms throughout the day just to remind yourself, hey, I need to be praying. I need to be 
depending on God through my day. I need to be trying to glorify God today. And just take 30 seconds. Prayer doesn't have to always be this huge, long, elaborate thing. Put sticky notes on your mirror. I don't know, what do you guys do in order to remind yourselves to pray? What have you found helpful in bolstering your individual prayer lives? Any, any real quick, just practical things that you have found super helpful? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, looking at the calendar, looking at who you're meeting for, praying that way. When you make your bed, she prays for her husband. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, they have a digital picture frame scrolling through family members, and instead of just looking at them, pray for them real quickly. Excellent. Uh, we have a prayer wall in our bedroom closet, so when we go there, we list things. If we forget uh, something someone needs prayer for, we'll try listing it there. Pray for it. Perfect. They have a prayer wall, and just practically put it in front of your eyes so that you can see it and be reminded of it. Yeah. Awesome. Save your Christmas cards and your missionary prayer cards. That's awesome. And then, yeah, just pray through a couple of those every day. Yeah, right here. Start small. Start small. Very good advice. We'll circle back to that at the end this morning. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's lots of, lots of different practical ways. Everybody's different. Everybody's minds work a little bit differently as far as what's most helpful. So just do something. Just try something. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Try something else. Find, find the thing that works for you. Uh, let's be praying to God. Let's be focusing on individual prayer. The other thing that I wanted to, or the other area that I want to challenge you guys a little bit with this morning is to pray with your spouse. And I know not everybody in this room has a spouse. If you don't have a spouse, perhaps you can pray for your, your future spouse or even your previous spouse. But I encourage you to be praying with your spouse. 1 Peter 3, verse 7, we already talked about this idea of living in an understanding way. I also think of John chapter 17. We looked at that passage in one of the evening sessions this week where Jesus prays for the church he prays for you. This is one of the many ways that Jesus demonstrates his love to his bride. And, you know, me and my wife are far from perfect, aren't we, honey? Uh, we don't pray every day together. In fact, I don't think we've prayed together. Well, we have after these morning sessions, we've prayed together, but usually our time to pray is before bedtime. And we haven't done that a single time this week. We don't do it every day, but we do strive to be praying together regularly. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing, is that the seasons in our marriage where we are praying together more regularly than not 
are the seasons where our marriage is way more healthy. When we're not praying together, the, the spiritual and emotional intimacy drains out of that relationship. And it becomes very obvious that we need to start praying together again. Praying together gives you an opportunity to, to share about what's going on in your life. What, especially if you're in a season that we're in right now with four young kids, you don't get very much time to just tell each other, hey, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this. Or this is really hard. You, you just don't have as much time for those types of conversations. And if you're praying together, that's, that's a natural built-in opportunity for you to have those types of conversations. And that's not to say that you should expect every single time you pray together, those conversations are going to happen. But if you are praying together, there's, I, I would argue there's a much greater chance of those conversations happening at all. So pray with your spouse. I'd encourage you, if you do have a spouse, to maybe talk with your spouse about a time of the day when you guys can maybe try to find to pray together. It doesn't have to be every day. It could even be once a week. If you don't have a regular pattern of praying together, just start with once a week. Start small. Next is pray with your family. Our mission as Christians is discipleship, and that starts with our families. Of course, discipleship is much more than that, but it certainly is not less than that. There's a lot of pastors in the room. You guys know that tension of your shepherding and pastoring so many people. Don't neglect shepherding and pastoring, pastoring your own family. Pray with your family. Doesn't have to be pretty, doesn't have to be long once again. Just do what you can to start developing prayer to be, be a normal part of your family routine. Whether that's at mealtime or bedtime. One, we, we've started two things in the past year, and both of them actually as a result of reading a book called Habits of the Household. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to read that book, me and my wife both found it very helpful, very practical. Uh, it's a breath of fresh air as far as books about parenting and uh, just spiritual disciplines is concerned. The author is super real. You know, a lot of times you'll, you'll read books about spiritual disciplines and it's just like, you feel like the author is perfect. Like he's got perfect kids, he's got a perfect wife, he's got a perfect church, it's just like, okay, that's great for you, but, I mean, look at us. We're a hot mess. And uh, so he, he's just very relatable uh, and very practical at the same time. And so some of the things that we've done is uh, we started doing what that book calls a bedtime blessing. And uh, we just, it's, it's a way to pray with your kids is really what it is, but it's, it's, Liturgy. It's praying the same thing every evening. And we did it the first time with our kids. And we usually pray with them before they go to bed, but we had never done this particular way of doing it. And they're like, what are we doing? Why are you saying this? Why do we have to do this? This is different. And 
we actually, we posted it on the wall. We wrote it on a piece of paper, posted it on the wall, and we looked up at the wall and we read it as we were praying with our kids. Eventually, we did it enough times that we memorized it, so the thing on the wall came down, and it just became normal for our kids. What has been cool is now our oldest daughter, Addison, she's seven, she now prays that prayer with and for her siblings before bedtime. It's so sweet. Another helpful thing that that we started doing at the end of the last school year is saying a quick prayer before my wife leaves to bring the older kids to school in the morning. I don't know what your guys' mornings look like at your house, but they are intense, they're stressful, trying to get everybody out the door, and that doesn't get me off on a very good start to the day. It's easy to get frustrated, the kids don't want to wear certain clothes, and there's fits about everything. And so to just take literally 20 seconds before everybody goes their different ways and gather the family and give the day to God, realign our hearts, that, that was a, a super helpful thing. Probably more helpful for me and my wife than it was for the kids. But once again, we're, just, we're, just, we're trying to make it so that in our family, our kids see that going to God is something that we should be doing on a regular basis. I think a lot of, pe- a lot of parents pray for their kids, but probably fewer pray with their kids. Show them how to look to the Lord when your family is going through a difficult situation. From an article I read a couple weeks ago, it says, teach your kids that prayers don't have to be long, formal, and fancy. When you're together, offer up short, spontaneous, conversational prayers. Emphasize the importance of relationship rather than religion. Make generous use of the words like please and thank you. Super helpful, practical advice for those of you who do have smaller children. Once again, prayer is a chance to demonstrate to your kids how simple it is to pray and how accessible God is whenever we want to speak with him. I would encourage you also, maybe you're not in this stage of life where you have young kids at home. Maybe, maybe all of your kids are already gone. We have several families in our church that have adult children who have walked away from the Lord or who are not close to the Lord. Maybe, maybe you're here and you have a mixture. Maybe some of your adult children are still walking with the Lord. Some of them aren't. I would encourage you to, to pray for them, but also try to pray with them if you can. And if they refuse that, just send them, send them text messages. Hey, praying for you. Love you. Keep pursuing that relationship and bringing it before the Lord. Number four, I would encourage you to pray with your church. A prayerless church is a church that's not really depending on God. We see this pattern in the New Testament. I want to be careful here because I hear sometimes a lot of people say, we just need to be more like the New Testament church. We need to be more like the church in Acts. And I'm always pretty hesitant to to go there because once you start reading about those churches, you'll realize pretty quickly, "Eh, actually, I'm not so sure. 
uh, that's the standard we should be reaching for. But one thing that is true is that the early church prayed. And they prayed a lot. One thing that I love is in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, I think, went before a council and uh, the church, they had been preaching the name of Jesus and they brought them before a council and basically said, stop preaching Jesus' name or else. It was kind of like a, a broad, general slap on the wrist. If you do this again, there's going to be consequences. And I, I, first of all, I love their response because they said, we can't help but to preach Christ. We can't help it. Once you understand who Christ is and what he's done, you won't be able to help it but to tell other people about it. But after that, after that council session was over, they went back to the believers in the early church in, in the very early days, Acts chapter 4, and in verses 24 through 30 in Acts chapter 4, we see a passage that we can learn a lot from, and really what we see is they, they have a... a a prayer meeting together. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 24, and, and in that section, we see adoration. They, they remember who God is. We see them praying the Bible. They, they go and quote a passage that David had wrote. And it's a reminder for them that God is in control of the nations. He's in control of the leaders. He's in control of situations. Then we see in verse 28, an acknowledgement and reminder of God's sovereignty over all things. And then in verse 29 of Acts chapter 24, it says, as they're praying, they say, and now, Lord, look upon these threats and grant to your servants what? Grant to your servants relief from this persecution? No. Grant to your servants comfort. No, none of those things. Grant to your servants boldness to continue to speak your word. It's important for us to be praying as a church. What are some of the ways that your churches? emphasize prayer or try to encourage its members to pray, either generally or together. Yeah. Uh, our church has a prayer room, but also the first Friday of every month they have a prayer night, Friday night. Okay, very cool. They have a prayer room, and then first Friday of every month they have a, a special prayer evening uh, together. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. A weekly prayer sheet that gets sent out via email or some other form so that people can be praying updated prayers for the members of the congregation. Had a hand here? Yeah. Leading up to Easter, we have $100 of prayer. Okay. Very cool. A hundred hours, he said? A hundred hours of prayer leading up to Easter. People sign up for different time slots. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, over here, and then I'll come over here next. 
Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, pr- praying through the church directly. What a simple, practical way to be praying for and even with your church family. Yeah, over here. Awesome. Very good. Prayer meeting Wednesday nights, they're, they're, they're actually, he says, they're actually praying for 30 or 40 minutes. That's the key word, right? We need to redeem the prayer meetings so they're actually prayer meetings and not another sermon. Okay? I know, pastors, we love preaching, but just be quiet. Be quiet for a Wednesday and let the people pray. Redeem the prayer meetings. I I would just encourage you guys, there's pastors here, there's church members here, obviously. I would encourage you, if you have any leadership role in a different ministry, one easy way to incorporate more prayer into church is to incorporate it into the existing ministries that are already running. If you're a Sunday school teacher, Pray with your kids as you teach Sunday school. Teach them how to pray. Model how to pray for them. And let them pray that God will give them a unicorn. Just let them pray. Teach them to pray. Think about the different ministries that you have. Maybe you have growth groups or cell groups or life groups or community groups or whatever you call your groups. Fellowship is great. Reviewing the sermons or doing another study is also great, but I would would encourage you to make prayer an emphasis in those groups. Think about what ministries you currently have existing that you could incorporate prayer into. We should pray with our church. And number five is pray with your unbelieving friends. This is the final one that we're going to look at this morning. There's, of course, other things that we can be praying for and other ways that we can be praying with people. But I encourage you to pray with your unbelieving friends. How many of you were encouraged and challenged by last night's message? Their souls are valuable. When life gets tough and hope is nowhere to be found, everybody believes in prayer. You see that on a, on a national level. When something drastic happens, something like 9-11, school shootings, deaths, all of a sudden everybody wants to pray. If you have unsaved friends or coworkers, ask if you can pray for them. Ask if you can pray with them. They might say no. They might turn you down. But if you're somebody who every, every now and then just says, hey, how can I be praying for you? And then if they give you an answer, instead of saying, okay, I will pray for you, just say, can I pray for you real quick right now? And then go and keep praying for them throughout the week. But go and revisit that. Then ask them, hey, how did this go? How's it going with your mom or, or What's going on with this situation? That's a way to just just very practically show the love of Christ. What, this person actually cares about me? You might be surprised how, how many opportunities that gives you.
So pray, of course, pray for your unbelieving friends that they would accept Christ. Pray for opportunities, which, by the way, that's, I tell people all the time, that's one prayer that God is always going to answer without fail. If you pray for opportunities to share the gospel with others, they will be there. And I say, I don't know if it's that God is giving more opportunities or maybe more likely I'm, my eyes are more open to opportunities that are already there. But one way or another, that's, if you want to pray a prayer that will get answered, pray for opportunities to share the gospel with others. But pray with them. Tremendous opportunity. There, I mean, obviously, there's a lot, a lot more ways that we can get practical with prayer. As you think about these, uh, I would encourage you, in some ways, these are listed in priority. Start with your individual prayer, your relationship with God. Move to your spouse, make that the next priority, then family, then church, then move outward from there. But even as I say that, I I would also encourage you, don't let imperfection in one of these prevent you from obedience in another. So in other words, just because I don't feel like my own individual prayer life is up to snuff, it's not up to whatever bar I've created for myself, because there really is no level of perfection in prayer until we're with God in heaven. I mean, that's ultimate communion with him. Don't let your own inadequacies in prayer prevent you from praying with your spouse. You, after all, are one. You're a team. Work together on that. Don't let inadequacies in one of these areas prevent you from pursuing obedience in the other areas. Up here in the second row, we had the encouragement to start small. We've talked about a lot of things this week. I don't want you to go home and try to do everything that we've talked about. What I want to just encourage you guys with as we go this morning is to take a couple moments and just share with your spouse or your family um, or maybe friends, whoever you're comfortable with, just try to pick one thing that you want to try to do differently as you leave from camp this week in order to grow in how you experience or prioritize prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your holy word. We thank you for being an accessible God. Every other little g God is almost inaccessible. And we thank you so much that you are bigger, better, obviously more real than any of those little g gods, and yet you're, you're so much closer. You care for us so intimately. You desire for relationship with us. And so I pray that we would just take advantage of the opportunity that we have to come into your presence, to commune with you, to abide with you, to talk to you, and to even listen to you through your word. Lord, teach us to pray. In your name we pray, amen.